welcome you here today. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to have you this weekend in our series called Masquerade. And I just want to take a couple minutes. I know Ryan kind of made a few comments, but last weekend, you guys were just stinking amazing. Is that spiritual enough for you? I mean, it was incredible. The, 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 res- the response on this campus with 119 first-time guests, uh, there were people every service that gave their life to Christ. Uh, on the West Campus, there were 410 people on service. It was just amazing. Isn't that awesome? And, uh, yeah. And so, and the thing is, is that you have a part in that. It's just one church, two locations. And so, uh, it was our privilege to be able to go over, preach the 9 o'clock service, go over, Tammy and I and the girls, and be there at the end of that service and just stand in the lobby and meet people. There were people that came to an 11 o'clock service that didn't even exist there. No, that's at the other campus. And so um, it just, you know, what we heard and, and the stories, oh my goodness, the stories of people that, were, that gave their life to Christ. There were five first-time uh, salvations uh, on that campus uh, last weekend, which is amazing on a, on a kind of a first weekend. And the thing we kept seeing over and over and over again is that people were completely uninhibited because it was a movie theater. They'd been there before. They'd watched their favorite flick there. I mean, it was, when we walked out, you had the smell of buttered popcorn. I was ready to go to a movie right then. And, um, and so, you know, it was just amazing to see that. And so I just want to say thank you. You, as a congregation, just six months ago, gave $50,000. That $50,000 in six months has culminated into 400 people that we're not coming to church, that are coming to church. We will only, over the next couple of years, and probably really truly only in eternity, see the full fruition of the investment that you made. But I'm telling you right now, $50,000 and you have 400 people? Well, I would do that every week. I mean, th- to see that kind of just, it's amazing. I told Tammy on the way over, I got a text, and I'm tweeting this as, as, we're, as we're going in the car uh, uh, from this campus to the, to the West Campus. And I said, you know, it took us five years to get to 400. Five years. And, and one weekend, boom, it happens. I'm telling you, it's just God. And God is doing it, and God is using you. And I just want to reiterate what Ryan said. You, we don't do uh, big billboard campaigns. We don't do uh, TV advertising. We're not against that or radio advertising. But I think the best endorsement of a local church is one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. One person telling somebody else, you know, come and see this man named Jesus. And so I just want to continue to encourage you. I want to reiterate what Ryan said about, uh, about the um, uh, Easter weekend. It's going to be packed. I mean packed. Not like packed, but packed. I mean, it's going to be there. And, uh, and so if you can be here on Saturday night, please. If your schedule will allow you to be here, go to the West Campus, please. Uh, and, uh, or Because uh, at 9 and 11 on, on Easter Sunday morning, we're going to seat people and when, because we're literally expecting that kind of a deal. And so we just felt like, no, this year, let's just pack it out. Let's just pack it out and have a great time. Isn't that fun? You know what I'm saying? I'd much rather go to a church where I don't know if I'm going to get a seat than I would to go to a church that has so many seats that nobody cares, you know? And, uh, and, and to go to, to be a place where, where things are happening and God is moving, and, and I'm telling you, he's doing that. So I just want to continue to encourage you in what you're doing. Uh, as we continue in week two of this three-week series called, uh, called Masquerade, we're going to talk this weekend about the monster of more, a.k.a. our stuff. And so I want to go back to the, th- the, to the theme verse 
uh, of this, uh, of this um, uh, series, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul says, We refuse to wear masks and to play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. We refuse to wear masks. When it comes to money, when it comes to our stuff, I think we wear the biggest mask. In the United States, nationally, we almost had a complete national shutdown over debt in last, in just, in just, just since Friday. Individually, uh, statisticians tell us that we in America live at 120% of our earned income. 120%. I mean, no, that's just major debt. If you go to the usdebtclock.org, usdebtclock.org, I'm going to say it one more time, usdebtclock.org, you can see these num- some of these numbers. Right now in America, we are $14 trillion in debt. And by the time I finish this service, we will have indebted ourselves another million dollars. $14 trillion. I had to read it multiple times. Going, Is that billion? No, that's, that's trillion. In the state of Wisconsin, we are $43 billion in debt, just governmentally. The average debt that a person carries in America is $48,000 per person. So if you have a household of four people, you are close to $200,000 in debt on average. It's, it's kind of crazy. The Bible, uh, when it's talking about stuff, 15% of everything Jesus said talked about stuff and money. 15%. 16 of the 38 parables dealt with stuff or with money. Uh, he talked about stuff or our money five times more than he talked about prayer. So just the video, well, I don't know how spiritual this is. Prayer's pretty spiritual, right? My house should be called the house of prayer. You know, you've got to pray to God and pray in Jesus' name. He talked about it five times more. There are over 2,000 verses in Scripture talking about our stuff and our money. And Jesus talked more about stuff and money than he did about heaven and hell. Now, I'm not taking a special offering tonight. I don't want you to like, think he's, oh, he's fixing to take an offering for the building. He's going to take an offering for something. No, we're, we're just, uh, this is not about that. It's about our stuff. And why? Why are we talking about this? Because there is a fundamental connection between our stuff and our spirituality. That's why Jesus talked about it. How we deal with our stuff and spirituality. So I want to take a look behind the mask real quick in these next few minutes. And, and I, want to, I want to kind of walk through this and... And we're going to be, I'm going to give you multiple scriptures. And again, if you, if I'm going too fast or you don't catch it, you can email us or ask somebody at guest services and we'll be happy to send you the outline or send you the, the, the references. Be totally fine. But 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 says, people who want to get rich. Now, before you stop and go, that's not me, I'm not rich. <laughs> we in America live in the top 4% of everybody on the planet. The, the poorest person in America is still in the top 4% of the world. If you don't think you're not rich, go, go with me to a mission trip. If you don't think you're not rich, get on a plane and go with me to a developing country. You will see just how blessed you really are. They fall into temptation, Paul says, and, and, and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Now catch this, for the love of money, not money, Money's neutral, but the love of money, how you handle money, how you deal with stuff, it's the root of all kinds of evil. For some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. When we're talking about stuff, there's four kind of conditions that people find themselves in. 
One is distressed. They're distressed. Whether you're up and over or down and out, it's easy to worry about money and about stuff. Just to totally freak out about it. Uh, how am I going to keep at this level? How am I going to get to that level? How am I just going to, I mean, gas is, is, goes up. How am I going to just be able to fill the tank? How am I going to, well, how does this work? We're, we, we, we lost a job. Um, it doesn't matter whether you're up and over or down and out. The stress, when you talk about money, you talk about stuff, it's stressful. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 12 says, That the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. Your stuff can sometimes mess with your sleep, is what, is what the richest man in the Bible said, Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes. The second group of people behind the mask is discontented. People that have things, but they're discontented. They're not satisfied with what they have. You're not satisfied. You, you, you want more. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10 says, Whoever loves money, again, money is neutral, but it's, it's the attitude towards it, never has enough money. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. I'm going to read that again. Whoever loves money never has enough money. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. It's a common myth that you hear all the time. People say, if I just had a little bit more, if I just had a pay raise, if I just was at this next level. Statistically speaking, uh, when people get pay raises, 90% of the time, they raise their standard of living. They don't live the same and just take that money and save it. They actually, if they get a pay raise, they, they move it up. You get, you get a $300 a month um, a pay raise, you, you, you get a $400 a month car lease. I mean, that's what we do. That's, that's the American way, isn't it? Right? I mean, seriously, that's why we find ourselves in the situation that we're in. And so there's this whole thing that I need more and, I, and I'm not happy with and, 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 and it's never enough. And can I tell you, it's not. That's the human condition. And don't, don't feel horrible about yourself that, you know, that you're like, man, I, I, but you need to deal with that. You, you need to look at that and you need to ask yourself, hey, What's, what's this threshold that I need? What's, what's this deal that I need? What, what, what am I? Because what happens is, is that when we take that $400 a month car payment on that $300 a month pay raise, we, we typically just swipe our way to happiness, don't we? With the credit card, swipe, swipe. I mean, that's what we do. And the average person in America has $9,000 in credit card debt. And if you take that $9,000 as it's paid off over a typical period of time with interest is going to result in $29,000 paid back to the credit card company. That's why they love you. That's why they send you offers. That's why, oh, we've got credit for you and credit for you and credit for you. Because $9,000 with $29,000 in return, getting a $20,000, dude, I'll invest in that strategy, right? I mean, if I could tell you, give me nine grand, I'm going to give you 29 grand back. Hello? You guys looking at me all serious and sanctimonious. Come on. All right, I'm just telling you, if I give you a dollar, if you give me a dollar and I give you two back, how many of you want that, right? I, I would take that in a heartbeat. Well, that's what happens. It's the wrong side of interest. So people become discontent, and we just need more and more and more. And again, this isn't, a, this isn't an American problem. This is a humanity problem. That's why Solomon dealt with it. The next group of people, they're behind the mask. They're disconnected. They're doing this all alone when God intends us to involve him. Doing this, dealing with the stuff of life all alone, when God really intended you and I to involve him. Look at what it says. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world, that'd be us, not to be arrogant or to put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 
That's the picture God wants. Don't put your faith in stuff. Put your faith in God. And involve God in your stuff, and he will provide for you everything. Sometimes we think God doesn't care. Can I tell you, he does care. And you go, but how can God care? There's other bigger problems in the world. Yes, but again, you're looking at the problems of the world through your, through your mindset. You've got to remember, God, God is, was here before this world began, and he'll be here when it's ended. I mean, God is God. He, he, he has the ability to do that. We don't. So don't put your rules on him. 20 times in the Bible, God asks us, when it comes to our stuff, to ask him for help. 20 times in Scripture, God says, ask me and I'll help you. Ask me when it comes to the area of your stuff and I'll manage it. I'll help you. I'll show you what to do. And the last thing that I see when you're looking behind the mask are people, are, they're distracted. When it comes to the monster of more, when it comes to this mask of more, it's, they're distracted. And, and they're distracted by things. They're led away by things. And, and, and can I say, it's okay to have stuff. Just don't let stuff have you. Nothing wrong with having stuff. This is, not a, this is not a sermon about you need to go sell your house or need to go sell your car or give up on your bass boat or, or give up on this or that. It's not about giving. I'm not asking you to give more money. You're going to hear me say that in this message. I'm not asking you to give more to God. I, I'm just saying, what are you doing with, with what you have? And again, that's a personal question. It's a personal thing you have to figure out. But Luke chapter 12 says this, And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of things. Laid up for many, many years, so take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night, your life will be demanded of you, and then who will get all that you've prepared for yourself? Who'll get your stuff then? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up for himself, uh, but is not rich towards God. God says, Hey, it's okay to have things. I mean, He just said He'd provide everything for us in the previous passage. But now he's saying, what you need to realize and remember is, is that don't let things have you. Don't become distracted. Oh, that's shiny. Oh, that's new. Oh, that'll give me that lifestyle. Great. That'll make me look, you know, 10 pounds skinnier. All right, I'll take those jeans. Mm. Yeah, I've seen some people in skinny jeans that don't even be in skinny jeans. Right? It's just one of those things. Oh, yeah. I don't even try on skinny jeans. Anyhow. Why have we forgotten what, what, and what have we forgotten? That we're blessed to be a blessing. That God has blessed us in our lives to bless others, to help others, to leave a legacy. And God hasn't blessed us to raise our standard of living. God's raised us to raise up our standard of giving. God has given us what we have to do something with, to leverage it, to use it. So I want to take off the mask, and I want to look at the truth of the matter of how do you do this? How, what are some principles in which you can live by that will help you, that help me, that are from God's word about how we deal with this and how we take this, this mask of more, this mask of stuff off? Because here's what I do believe. I believe that we all deal with this to some degree. I believe this is, this, this is, is, is very epidemic even in, in our country. I believe it's why we're having the debate nationally and in the political circles, locally and statewide in those circles, because we have gotten to a place where we have forgotten in God we trust. We've forgotten that God has blessed us to be a blessing. We've forgotten. There was a day and age where this country, we were the ones that went to someone's aid. We were the ones that stood up and we helped other emerging countries. And now we're looking to other people to help us. And why? Because we've gotten this thing inverted. We've got it wrong. And, and, and I want to tell you, I don't think things are going to, I think things will in some degree get better. And I'm not a doomsday person. 
I'm very optimistic, but I do believe that there are some major economical shifts that are happening in our country that if you don't get on page with Judeo-Christian values on this subject, you're going to get drowned in a mess and in a quagmire of things that honestly God never intended for you to. And God has a plan. He has a way to help take the pressure off, to help make you walk it out, and to live it out and to bless and to prosper you. But when we do it our way, we get ourselves in trouble. When we do it his way, he begins to work all these things out. So I want to look at that. In Haggai chapter 1, we're going to get some Haggai. That's deeply theological, isn't it? You don't know how to even say that. Haggai. Wow. Somebody asks you, what did you talk about this weekend? Man, we got into Haggai in the Old Testament. I don't even know how to say it, but I know how to spell it. Um, Anyhow, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them into a purse or into a pocket with holes in them. You ever felt like that? Let me read that again. Be careful to thought. Give careful thought to your ways. That's what we're going to do tonight. Because you've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you're never, you're, you're, you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're, they're, they're, they're not enough. And you earn wages only to feel like you're putting them in a purse or in a pocket with holes in them. Could it be that, that, that we just have some faulty ideas and principles and things that are just kind of, I think so. And so what are the right principles? How do we do this? Well, the first thing I want to tell you is, is for us to understand is that God owns it all. God owns it all. And this will take the pressure off of you. God owns it all. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10 and 11. Praise be to you, O Lord, God our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as the head over all. Let me, let me tell you something. First thing is God owns it all. So just take a deep breath and whew, he's in control. That's the hope that we have. That's why everything can be going crazy around us when we understand God owns it all. It's great. It's like this. Sometimes with my kids, I, I, see, I see them playing, and they don't understand really the ramifications of how much something costs. You, you in my world? And what it really, you know? And, and, um, and so they don't know what it costs to paint that wall, and so they take their greasy fingers and they put it on the wall only for me to see those hands. And my wife goes, oh, there's such little hands. And I go, you know what it's going to cost for me to... Have that cleaned and repainted and, and right? And, uh, and, and they just don't think. And, and, and that's just, we're all like that as kids. Remember when you were a kid? You didn't think about money. You didn't think about what it cost. Like, you just want to go to McDonald's, right? Remember that? You just want to go to McDonald's. Go get, you, didn't know, you didn't know what it cost. Let's go to McDonald's. You, you just you wanted to go swimming in the summertime, right? You didn't know what it cost. You, 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 you didn't know Christmas, and you just wanted gifts and presents and go and family vacation. Yeah, that's fun. You didn't know what it clothes. You know, remember that? Like, your mother would yell at you. Like, I used to have to wear those, little, those Sears blue jeans. They were called tough skins because they, the, they had the patches right in the knees because they would wear longer. I hated those jeans. Hated them. I always had to wear husky, too. That was a whole other story. But, <laughs> and so, <coughs> excuse me. So, anyhow, so I, 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 I'm just saying, I didn't know what it, I didn't pay attention until I started paying for it. When I started paying for it, life changed. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to take care of those pants. I'm going to take care of those shoes. I'm going to take care of this because it cost me something. But my kids, just like your kids, they don't care because they don't know what it costs. 
And you can talk to them till you are blue in the face. I remember when I was your age. I was in the third grade when Nike started its business. You know, whatever. And we didn't have, and blah, 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 blah. And we walked up hill. And, you know, my... and they're like, yeah, cool, Dad. Can we go get an ice cream? I mean, that's it, right? They don't, they can't, they don't, they don't get it. And that's kind of a blessing to being a child, isn't it? And there are days I really wish I was in third grade again. I can just be like, man, my biggest thing was getting to school and hanging out with the guys and playing ball. And that's all I did. Third grade, I didn't even comb my hair. I remember the whole year that was my goal. And I didn't comb my hair. You see my school picture. Beautiful. I didn't care. Brush my teeth. Forget that. I'm riding my bike to the store and get some now laters on my way. I mean, that was what we did. Some Johnny Apple treats and some lemon heads and some charm blow pops and just getting through school, living life. LTD, baby, living the dream, right? Only to go to Sutton Pond after school and, and make ramps for our bikes. So anyhow, um, that was the day. And, and, but, but now I'm, I'm a, an adult and I got to pay the bills and feel the pressure. And can I tell you, God wants you and I to be the exact same way. He wants to be the father and he wants us to be the children. He wants us, that's why he says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And every time we take it on ourselves, God kind of says, okay, go on with your bad self. It's kind of like with your kids. You do what you need to do. When you get tired and you come to the end of yourself and you'll come ask me for help, I'll be right here, right? God owns it all. I've told this story before, but, but especially uh, when, the, when, the, when the girls are little, my littlest, Ava, she loved going to the movies. She loves to go out to eat. She just likes to go spend money. I don't know what the deal is with the child. But anyhow, Timmy says she's my daughter, so I don't know. But, but anyhow, so we would go. And, and I remember going to take her to the movie, watching some Disney movie. I don't know. I've seen so many. I can't. It just all comes together, right? And, um, and so uh, we were doing something, and I had Anna on one side and Ava on the other side. And so I'm like, hey, let me. And they got those little kid packs, and they got some Skittles and some popcorn and a Sprite. And I'm too cheap. I'm not buying anything. So, so I, I, uh, I said, hey, won't, won't you let me have some Skittles? And she looked at me. She goes, they're mine. She's probably about four. So with her little lisp. And, and you think it's cute. I was like, what? And I'm thinking to myself, self, I bought those Skittles. I got enough money in my pocket right now. I could buy the whole concession stand out with some Skittles. I could, I could shower Skittles on this child for the rest of her life. All I want is a few Skittles. I, I bought them. And I said, come on. She goes, nope. Remember that? Nope. And she just kind of snaps. And I was like, oh, I'm fixing to light her up like a Christmas tree. And so anyhow, and so the problem is, is that I had to explain to her that I bought the Skittles. She still doesn't quite understand that. And, and that all I want is a few. And that's sometimes how we treat God. God bought it all. No, and he doesn't want it. He wants to bless us. But he owns it. He paid for it. It's his. Does that make sense? And when I give my life to Christ, I lay down my life. And I'm not just saying spiritually. I lay down everything that I have. My past, my present, my future. God owns it all. God is the source of my life. And I'm telling you, that's fundamental. Because if you don't get that, everything else in Scripture just seems like God's just, it's some kind of a, Donald Trump deal-making thing. It's like, you know, it's like this is the art of the trade and, and, or the art of the deal. And so the deal is, is that, no, 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 God owns it all. The second thing is, is that I'm his manager. God owns it all, and I'm his manager. God owns it all, and I'm his manager. Luke chapter 16, 10, 11 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. 
And whoever is dishonest with, with much, or who, who, whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you can't be trusted with worldly wealth, which is down here on the spectrum of what's really important, how can God trust you with spiritual wealth? That's what he's saying. Because if you're going to be dishonest in the little things, worldly wealth, how can he trust you with the big things, spiritual wealth? If you're going to be dishonest and not, and not stewarding this level, how can he trust you with that level? And so it's a deal of stewardship is not about giving more to the church. It's about focusing my life on God's agenda. Let me say that again. Stewardship is not about me giving more. It's, it's about me focusing my life on God's agenda. If I'm a Christ follower, it's about living life as a reflection of him, doing life the way he would want it done. Understand that he owns it all, and I am simply managing the life that he gives me. So, so when I look at it from that perspective, it's very simple. It's his. It's not mine. So my life, my family, my finances, my, my, uh, my relationships, my abilities, my inabilities, my strengths, my weaknesses, God, whatever you can use, here it is. You know, um, and, 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 and so the, the thing is, is to say, God, I am just managing this. I am stewarding this. And so the bills, they're your problem. The, the, the obstacles, they're your problem, God. The, the things in life that happen, the, the, the sickness and, 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 and the things in life that happen, these are your problems, God. I'm going to steward this life to the very best of my ability for as long as I can and do everything that I can because I'm just the manager. And I'm telling you, when you get those two things in right order, when you think you own it all, and you're just helping God out, you are jacked up, and you are in it for a world of hurt, and you're going to keep hitting the wall over and over and over again. But when you realize, and you get the equation right, he owns it all, and I'm but a steward. I mean, like, I don't care if you have your house paid in full. If you quit paying your taxes to the county, to the city, they will come and take your house. But you can show them the deed. It doesn't matter. You have to pay taxes to live on the land that you own. Why? Because ultimately, ultimately, you're dead and gone one day, and that's just a piece of paper. I mean, that's what it is. We, we think we have all this. We, we point to all this. And again, in our own natural selves, it's, physical is way more important than, 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 than spiritual sometimes. And, and so the, the thing is is, that, is, is that as I've got to understand, I'm just managing all this. So when I realize that I'm managing it, I realize that I have a responsibility, and that I'm going to have to give an account for how I manage it and for what I do with it. So let me talk about the third thing is that God's plan works. God's plan works. When, when you realize that God is the owner, you are the manager, and, and the thing called the Bible actually works, it's, it's a very liberating thing. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says this, Bring the whole tithe, tithe is, means 10% of your income, into the storehouse. The storehouse is a place that you receive your, your, your spiritual blessing from, which in the Old Testament would have been to the, to the uh, temple. Uh, in the New Testament, it would be the church. That there may be food or resources in my house. Now, he says something. This is the only place he says this in Scripture. This is the only place God says this. It's interesting. The only place he says to test him is when it comes to the area of our stuff. That's why it's such a big, hairy deal. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, if I won't give you so many Skittles, right, that you don't have room enough for it. Well, that's the Old Testament. Well, the New Testament says give everything that you have. Let's live communally and just take what you need. Y'all ready to go back to the Old Testament? Yeah, right, because... 
Mm-hmm. Mm, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with the wealth, with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crop. That's why that first 10% is so important. It's first fruit. It's number one. God is number one. Number 10 commandments, you'll have no other God before him. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So we did last weekend at the West Campus. We took the entire offering and we gave it to missions. Everything. It's a first offering. We don't keep it. It's his. God, we want to give this as an offering to you. We want to give this to you. Every single thing that's given today, everything that comes in today, we're going to get it to plant a church in Liverpool, England with Convoy of Hope Europe. That's what we're doing. Now, let me show you this. And I'm not saying this for the sake of the church. I'm not taking a special offering. I'm not saying this for the church's benefit at all. Okay, the church isn't like, we're not like, oh, we're struggling. I need to take up an extra offering to keep on the lights tonight. Give, Betsy, give. The family's got to live, right? I'm not, that's not the thing. But I'm saying this because this works. And it will, it will free you to do what, what you need to do, what you want to do in your life. And it's all based on these basic principles. And it's something, too, that, that we have seen in, the, in our own church. In the last two years since recession has hit, 95% of churches in America have had to lay off staff and have had a decrease in giving. We at Life Church have had to lay off no staff. We have hired staff. We've had to expand our campuses and are looking at expanding our services. Why? Because I'm smart. No way, Jose. I'm telling you, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Don't mean to, don't, don't mean to have you leading a dumb, uh, following a dumb leader, but I'm not that good, okay? Seriously. It's because these principles that I'm talking to you about, this is how we operate. It's very simple. The first 10% that I have belongs to the Lord. That first 10% is his. It's a tithe. At the church, we, we believe this. You take care of God's world, he'll take care of your world. So that's the reason why that last weekend's offering, that was $6,000, boom, it all went out. Why? Because we know that God deserves that. And when we honor him there this next week and the next week and the next week, he'll pay the bills. He'll, he'll pay the bills because we have bills over there. I mean, the, the, the majestic, the market doesn't say, hey, please come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest and free popcorn. They don't say that. They say, here's a contractual deal. Here's what's going on. You pay at your end. You don't. Our attorneys and their attorneys and everybody else's attorney went back and forth and crossed this out and initialed this and did this and added this and addendum this. and So we got a workable agreement so that we were contractually bonded together and we all had our clauses to get out if we needed to because it's all about money. We're over there because it's a good deal. And they have us because it's a good deal for them. It's a win-win situation. It's just business. It's nothing personal. But here's what I know. God will take care of us if we take care of him. God will take care of our world if we take care of his world. So as a church, when you give, that's why we're so big on missions. And we give and we give and we give and we give and we give. Why? Because God continues to bless. The average increase in this church is somewhere around 19% a year growth in the last 10 to 10 years that I've been here. I'm telling you that doesn't happen. And it's him, and he's using you. And, it's, and it's, do, do, do you go, well, man, everything must be great, and we don't need anything. Oh, oh, please, I, if you sit down, let me tell you what we need. I need $436,000 to be able to do this. I've, I'm taking architects to Atlanta this week to, because we're walking through buildings, four major buildings in Atlanta Metropo- Metroplex, 
and to show them this is how we want this room to look like. This is what we want this room to look like. We want to draw this up because we are preparing everything because I believe in faith believing that audacious faith to sit there and to go that this time next year we're moving dirt and we're building a building. Why? Because we have to. Because bottom line is our barns are overflowing. So it's time to build some bigger barns. But not just for us to continue to get out and go and go and go. And every year, every year for 10 years, we've given more money to missions every year. And every year we've given more money to missions, we've seen more people come into the church. We've seen more lives be saved. We've seen more people get baptized. We've seen more income come in. And God continues to take care of it. It's not me. It's him. And I'm telling you, the same God that operates that way in the church will operate that way in your life. And I, and I want to challenge you today. If you're not tithing, if you're not get, bringing the 10%, because you don't give it, it says bring the tithe. Because if you give it, it's yours. You bring it, it's his, because you're the manager and he's the owner. I just want to challenge you. Turn around, and even this weekend, and even on your tithe envelope, right, 90-day challenge. And for the next 90 days, test this. Test it. God's word says you can test it. I believe it. We're going to lean so heavily on God's word that if it were to move, he would, uh, if, if, it, if it were to, anyhow, we'd fall kind of a deal. You know what I'm saying? And in this, if you don't think God won't provide and won't do for you or he doesn't, I'll, we'll, get, we'll refund you everything that you've given. Because it's not about money. It's about understanding. He owns it all and I'm but a manager and this is his way. The second thing he tells us to do is to take the second 10% and give it to savings. Take 10% of what you give and save it. Save it. At Life Church, we don't ever, when we do budgeting, we never budget an, a- an annual increase. We always budget at or less than what we brought in the previous year. Typically, I think there's been one year that there's been exception to this, we budgeted 90% income from the previous year. Why? Because here's the deal is, I believe in practicing these principles. I believe I never want to have to stand up in front of you and say, give, Betsy, give, the family's got to live. I grew up in church like that, where they would stand up and say, I need your money, and we need you to pay for this. Because here's the deal is, I don't and you don't respond to need. You know the guy, the homeless guy that sits there with a sign every day, do you stop every day and give him money? No, because you know, you don't know what he's going to do with it, because he's definitely in need. But you don't do that. But what do you do? When you find good soil, the Bible says, you invest in it. So you give to a ministry. You bring the tithe to the church. You find someone that you know that's going to, that's in need that you can help, a neighbor or a friend or someone. Why? Because you want to make sure that what you're giving makes a difference. And then the Bible says that other 80%, live on it. Live on it. Enjoy it. And if you live that 10, 10, 80, which is completely biblical, if you will live that out in your life, you will never want or need for anything as long as you live within, those, within that 80%. And here's a, here's a valuable thing, too. Sometimes when we look at things, we can say, hey, I could afford that, but I choose not to. I could live at that level, but I choose not to. I could do that, but I choose not to. Why? Because at the end of it, it's God's plan, and it works. The last thing I want to say about this whole thing that, that, that the Word teaches when it comes to our stuff is to remember that heaven, not earth, is my goal. Heaven, not earth, is my goal. Jesus kind of gives us an insider trading tip. You know, like an insider tip, if a company's going to merge and sell out and you want to dump your stocks, which is illegal to do, to get that kind of information, or if it's going to expand and you want to get your money in so it'll increase, he kind of gives us this insider trading tip in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. 
Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Very simple. Store up for yourself treasure in heaven. Because ultimately, eternity is all that really matters. We talked about it last weekend. We're going to stand and give an account before God. And, and I just want to stop right here and say this. You know, maybe you're here today and, and you, you're dealing with this stuff issue. I'm telling you, we all deal with this. We deal with it where I got to have this and I need that and I want this and I want that and I want to upsize this and downsize that and spend this and spend that. And, and we can rationalize ourselves away on it. But at the end of it, it all comes down to remembering God's the owner, I'm the manager, his plan works. And ultimately, eternity will reveal all of that. Ultimately, I'm going to give an account. Ultimately, that's really what's important. And so what I want to do today is talk to those of you that may be here for a moment that would say, you know, man, I'm, I, I, I have an, an understanding of who God is, but, but I, I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I, I just, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And you go, well, you've been talking about stuff and money. Oh, yeah, because when you get that right, when you understand God's way, man, it completely releases you. But you have to understand, first and foremost, to have a relationship with him as the gateway to all of that. And so you say, you know, I, I, I'm not right with God, and, and I want to give my life to Christ. But the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth and you believe that Jesus is who the Bible says you, that, that he is, you will be saved. Because with the heart man believes, with the mouth, are, are we, we confess and, and, and we're made justified. And so tonight I'm going to ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. Even those of you that are on the campus, you're viewing this by video, I want you to bow your head and I want to close your eyes. Everyone in this room. And I simply want to ask a question for you to ask yourself, are you, are you in right relationship with the Lord? Because if only eternity matters, if that's ultimately what this boils down to, then, man, are you right with the Lord? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to lead all of us in a prayer. And I'm going to ask you, even those of you watching by, 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 by video, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud with me, every single person, even those of you that are Christ followers, to lend your voice with those that are here. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand tonight. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm just simply going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And then I want to uh, follow this up. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my life, and to be my Lord and my Savior. I thank you, God, for loving me enough to give your only son, Jesus, to live that sinless life, to die on the cross for my sins, and to be raised from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And, and all my unrighteousness. And be my personal Lord and Savior today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just give the Lord praise for those that made a decision for Christ tonight?